And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that does not have a graduate degree or have any clue how they work whatsoever. I'm Tim Cato, and I was writing about the draft and free agency and how they're all interconnected, and I I thought I had the perfect analogy, and I'm like, you know, you can't get a grad degree without a thesis and a dissertation, and I had about 17 people tell me later that day Turns out you can get it with one or the other. I thought it was a good analogy. I thought it made sense. And and I do stand by my point that the draft and free agency are all interconnected as a big blob of success or failure when it comes to grading an offseason. But we've got Mike Pellucci. And so I have two questions for you. Uh, second one's going to be, what's your thoughts on, on, on the draft? And, mm-hmm. you know, you haven't got a chance to share them. It's, you know, I think that's good framing to, to set up everything we're about to talk about, uh, with free agency starting tomorrow night, um, we're recording Thursday. So that's Friday night at 5 PM central. But first question, Mike Pellucci, would you, if you were still my editor, caught this egregious error on my part where somehow my non-grad degree ass just doesn't actually know how they work, um, which I I'll own I, it. I don't. I would have caught this, uh, not to say that I'm infallible as an editor, but to say that I, your intro is wrong because uh, I do have a graduate degree. So I do know how this works firsthand. And all I had to do is do a comprehensive exam. So yeah, I would have okay. caught that. Okay. Okay. Well, I've said the podcast doesn't have a grad degree. And that having a person with a grad degree on the podcast does not invalidate the fact that this podcast as a whole is uneducated. You know? Yeah, no, we we're, don't we're believe a GED in higher podcast. learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No yeah, offense to yeah, our GED just, listeners out there. You you've achieved something as, uh, much better than what this podcast has achieved in the world. So yeah, yeah our, our podcast uh can't read, in fact. Why do no. you think it's a why do you think it's an audio it's, format? It's a spoken medium for a reason, guys. It's a spoken exactly, medium. exactly. So, you know, we're doing our best. Um and me and the podcast, it takes a lot after me. I can't read either. Mike, what did you think of the draft? What did you think of the way the Mavericks have set themselves up? Because that's really what's important here for whatever is going to go down tomorrow or even not tomorrow, because there's still trades that can happen and that make a little bit of sense to happen before the new CBA kicks in. But uh, we're going to have to see. Yeah, I mean, on aggregate, look, I'm no different than everybody else. I don't know anybody who didn't like this Mavericks draft, right? It's. There's a few people, to, you know. Are there really? Are out there? Maz Moneyball I mean, got in trouble for publishing one article that dared to say that it might not be the best draft. One one writer's opinion. I mean, listen, you know, and I wrote about this at D Magazine for the next day. 
what this was characterized by was a team that has been very bad in the margins for the last half decade, just absolutely crushed in the margins. They turned one pick and a negative contract into four things if you count the MLE. I don't know how you can't be in favor of that. To me, the most interesting thing was Derek Lively, not because of Derek Lively's skill set, which is everything that they need if they develop him. It's more, I didn't think they would have the patience to take a 19-year-old who's going to be a bit raw, who's going to foul a lot as a rookie, the way 19-year-old big men do. I figured this was okay, great fit. I don't know if they have the patience for that because Lord knows we talked enough on the show and you've written enough and we have a D Magazine about how, you know, they there was a sense of urgency in this front office and for good reason. So taking a 19-year-old who's going to need some time, that was interesting, right? Omax at 24, I don't think Omax is going to need a ton of time. I think he could, by the end of the season, be a very useful rotation piece. If, you know, he's still 21, it's going to take a few years to really hit his ceiling. But I think that guy's going to be able to do things. Derek Lively, I think what it means if you get him now, to me, that informs a lot of what they need to be doing with their big man strategy the rest of the way. We'll get into DeAndre Ayton. I did not like that idea for a number of reasons, one of which the spillover here. Uh, we might talk a little Andre Drummond since that's apparently a name out there. I kind of don't hate it for the exact same reasons uh, of, I don't think it's a real Derek Lively roadblock, but we'll get there. Uh, bottom line is they put themselves off to a really good start. I think the best realistic start they could have hoped to have for the offseason on draft night. Yeah, there's a lot of ways I could take or take this combo from where you gave me so many jumping off points. Um, That's what I do. Absolutely, you do. Uh, I, I will say the the contrarian opinion, and I'm not I don't think I fully share it, uh, but I get the logic of it. The contrarian opinion is that the Mavs use their one lottery swing, the only one they're going to have in the Luka era on a big man who is one dimensional. And as long as he is good enough at the one dimension that he does. And as long as he, you know, develops appropriately as a finisher, uh, you know, this, there's no concern about needing your center to be a shot creator. I don't think that the new NBA has shown that to be a necessity, but if it does take a couple of years to develop him, and then you're already thinking about what the extension looks like, I, I get it. I, I think the only way that I could look at lively as a, as a clearly bad pick now he just might not develop. That's a sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that I mean, could happen to any traffic, you know. Exactly, there's no right. sure yeah. things. Uh, yeah. I'm optimistic about what he can be in the NBA, but I guess we'll have to see. The only thing that can make that a bad draft pick is is kind of how free agency plays out, and that's the funny thing about the draft coming before free agency. If the Mavericks felt really confident that they were going to trade for DeAndre Ayton, and they still made. Uh, lively their their first round pick and then uh they're you know just don't have room for him I, I don't think any of that's true but I think that it's possible we'll get to July 15th and we'll look back on lively being the pick and we'll wonder if maybe somebody else could have fit better if if the if the idea is to win now all that said I think it was a successful draft I said it Austin said it when we reacted to it on on Thursday night I I agree with you I think they set up well I think they used the margins well so let's just jump into, you know, the overbearing news, rumor, et cetera, that, that has been out there. And actually, interesting, it, is, it has been very out there. A lot of people have been talking about the, you know, not just that Dallas is talking to Phoenix about DeAndre Ayton, but they've been talking about the exact terms of the agreement, which I find interesting. I don't really have any strong opinions about where it's coming from or, or what it means or, or who stands to benefit. If you do, I'd love to hear it. But the the deal has been reported 
by Mark Stein and others as DeAndre Ayton for Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes, who on the Thursday draft podcast, I probably should have mentioned that, yeah, like there's a decent chance that they would turn around and flip him. You know, we we really talked about him as a potential backup, but I do think that, you know, that was never certain to be the trade they made was for Omax. It was not for Rashawn Holmes. Right. Yeah. That was, that was the tax for getting Omax. And it should be mentioned just the fact that there is a market for Rashawn Holmes, because the reporting wasn't just that it was Tim Hardaway, Rashawn Holmes and JaVale's money. It was that Phoenix likes Rashawn Holmes. So right away, the fact that you dumped Davis Bertans, who people do not want other than, as you mentioned, Oklahoma city in a very specific scenario, even if you, you know, the fact that they got Rashawn Holmes, there are worse quote unquote negative assets to take on because already might not be that negative. There might be other teams that are interested in this. Right, right, right. But you don't like this trade. You don't no, like this trade, no, even no. if you know McGee is included as a salary dump. You just don't like the idea of DeAndre Ayton. Tell me why. I, well, I don't like DeAndre Ayton for this team at this time. I, I've always liked DeAndre Ayton's talent. Uh, I was one of those dumb people who thought DeAndre Ayton might be a better prospect than Luka Doncic when he turned pro, right? It's not about that. And if this were something... You don't have I'd, to admit every single thought you have, Mike Pellucci, on this podcast. I'm, this listen, is a I'm safe just, space. I'm just willing... I'm an accountable gentleman, Tim Cato. An accountable gentleman. And if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm going to tell you I'm wrong. But guess what? I'm not wrong about not wanting DeAndre Ayton now. No, no, no. I'm, I'm very right about that. Uh, look, if this trade were offered in the old cap system, then yes, you do that. But guess what? In the old cap system, they're not offering DeAndre Ayton for this. They're just not, Right. We live in a world now where that second apron, we talked about in the show, but it can't be hammered enough. That second apron is going to be brutal. And I think, you know, and I I saw it, I had a bunch of discourse about this the other day when this whole thing went down and the conversation kept repeating itself over and over of like, look how cheap he is. Look how cheap the talent upgrade is. And, And I think we're going to enter a world in which cheap talent upgrades can be a bit of a trap now. Because you basically, if you assuming they re-sign Kyrie Irving, we still have no reason, even with Kyrie's leverage tour, to assume that Kyrie's not coming back. You have Kyrie Irving, you have Luka Doncic, max money on both. You're going to have to pay Josh Green very soon. That's not going to be a small number. You, I mean, there's a reason Phoenix was getting killed for taking Brad Beal's money, right? It's more expensive than DeAndre Ayton's, but Brad Beal is a very good player. DeAndre Ayton's making $30 million for the next three years. Uh, the salaries they're shipping out would, you know, yeah, they total that amount of money, but they're all getting off the books in the next two. That's significant. You know, is Doc Franco back in December did a really good piece for us uh, assessing the Christian Wood trade, you know, extension market back when, you know, there was still some faint hope of that. Ran a whole study of big men, basically concluded that you, if you're paying more than 20 mil, and this is the old system, you're paying more than 20 mil and it's not a franchise guy like a Jokic or just a real defensive weapon like a Jared Jackson. You're in deep water. Case in point, John Collins making five million less a year than DeAndre. You know what they got for him in Atlanta? They got a second round pick. That's all they could get for John Collins. So this idea that DeAndre Ayton, yes, he is better than the centers that they've had, but it's two problems. It's one, three years of $30 million is no small thing in today's second apron cap world. And what are you getting out of five million next season, 34 million the following season, and 35.5 million in, in the third year? That is huge. And for this is my thing. For what? Are you sure? And I know, and I've I've had this, I've heard this discourse, right? He was amazing the finals two years ago. I get that. You know, in that Phoenix finals run, he was great. What's happened the next two years since to make you believe this is a guy who could be on the floor on a finals team? What have we seen from big men in going deep in the playoffs? Right. We, you need a guy who is a rim protector or a serious athlete on offense. And he's not either one of those things. 
So if I'm sitting here and I'm taking on that kind of money and I'm jeopardizing my cap, it needs to be for someone who I believe can be on the floor, be a winning player in the postseason. And I'm not convinced he's that guy. And the real damage, we start, this is where we circle back to Derek Lively, coaches as a rule, and especially Jason Kidd, as we've seen from last season, the way it goes is they don't, if they've got an excuse to not play someone who's going to make mistakes, they tend to find a good, they tend to do that. They tend to go the direction of somebody who's going to be safer. And this isn't to say DeAndre is a perfect player, but it is to say that if you're bringing this guy in and he's only 24 and he's got former number one pedigree, it by and large, it's very easy for us to say, oh, sure, Derek Lively can only play so much in year one. DeAndre Ayton's here for three years. You can do a whole balanced progression. Yeah, it's easy to say that in a vacuum. In practice, the coach still has to actually do it. And I, in a world where we see Jason Kidd, uh, you know, take forever to play Jaden Hardy, uh, after Justin Holiday comes aboard, after the buyout deadline, cut Josh Green's minutes, uh, what was the whole discourse of the first half of the season? It was, are, is he playing Christian Wood? And for the record, he was right not to play Christian Wood, but Jason has proven time and again that he's going to play it safe way more often than not if he could do that. And Derek Lively is, look, if this team is going to work, Derek Lively is going to be an essential piece because unlike DeAndre Ayton, Derek Lively's skill set does profile as the type of guy who you can play in playoff series. That defensive wingspan and that mobility will clean up so many messes, which is a massive problem when you have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. He will roll to the rim and be a great above-the-rim lob threat. Really useful with Luka Doncic. DeAndre Ayton, I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to stunt his development. I don't think there's a way to know. We've seen guys take it slowly, and it's worked. We've also seen in Brooklyn, for instance, Nick Claxton, when he played, even though he was raw, made leaps and bounds when he had time. Jared Allen, when he was a young player, getting time, made leaps and bounds, versus you look at Atlanta with Yaka Okongwu. Probably hasn't been as good as either of those two yet, in no small part, because, I, I mean, there are probably bigger things when that's not like we're in the Atlanta Hawks organization. When you have Clint Capella and you could turn to Clint Capella when you want to turn to Clint Capella, it's very easy to not necessarily turn loose your number four overall pick. So you throw it all together and what are you getting? What is the actual upside? It's this idea of, yeah, there's a talent upgrade, but I don't think the juice is worth squeeze when it could have serious ramifications for your cap. It could potentially stunt your lottery pick. And for what? This is a guy who it makes you better, but it's not going to get you really anywhere in the big scheme of things. It's the opposite of what happened what was the lesson that this team learned with Kristaps Porzingis in the old CBA? Break them into smaller contracts because it's a lot easier to find a market to maneuver those things around. This would be doing the opposite in the way more punitive cap world. And again, I just there's I'm not disputing that he is a better player than what they've had. I'm not disputing that he'd help. I just think this idea of always oh, a talent upgrade is very much without looking at the ramifications of that is very much a mindset rooted of the old CBA. And I think we're going to enter a world where it's not nearly that cut and dry. And I just you know, it's it's harming the upper middle class of players. That's what this system is designed to do. DeAndre Ayton is the epitome of an upper middle class player, except he's making lower upper class money. That is the problem. And that's why I, I don't care how cheap the assets are. It's a trap, man. Use your Admiral Akbar voice. It's a trap. <laughs> that was a uh, righteous monologue from, uh, from you right I just, there. I felt like I was taking crazy pills the other day. I was arguing all day about this. And I was just like, guys, like... What's, I mean, and sure, it's the outset of the CBA era, right? There will be lessons we will learn. But like the only thing everybody seems to agree on is like, it's going to suck to have bad money. And this could be bad money. In Especially because so, like, again, if you take Derek Lively, Kirk, sorry, I'm, I'm filibustering. One last thing. Kirk Henderson put it well. If you take Derek Lively, like you need to actually walk that path. You can't do a half measure and say, here's Derek Lively. Oh, let's get more bigs who can get in his way, right? This is why I actually don't hate the Andre Drummond thing. Because Andre Drummond won't get in anybody's way. 
Rashawn Holmes won't get in anybody's way. When Derek Lively is ready to take their minutes, he'll take their minutes. It's a lot different if you get to DeAndre Ayton. It gets a lot tougher. Get, or I should say it gets a lot easier to throw a perceptual roadblock of, oh, we have to justify the amount of money we're paying DeAndre. Let's play him. When in reality, DeAndre will not win you a finals. But Derek Lively, if he does develop the way you need him to, will do very crucial things that this team needs from a big. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I'm going to push back quickly on a few different things that you said. Let me just run through them. Not going to go big, uh, big on them, on, on any of them. And then I'll, I'll get to, at the end, my, my big question about, you know, if I'm the master in office, what I would be thinking about. But I'm not so sure that you can just say that DeAndre Ayton, who did play well in the finals, is objectively never going to be able to do that again, that a new situation is, is not going to be good for him, that that Chris Paul specifically and and... Chris Paul a little bit, but but even more specifically the Monte William uh, Monty Williams uh, falling out. Um, I'm not sure that Jason Kidd is is uh, you know if, if players coach Monty Williams had issues with DeAndre and uh, <laughs> it, it, that does that yeah. does you know put a little bit of hesitation that that Jason Kidd is just going to get along swimmingly with him. But it's it's very clear that he needs a new environment. It's very clear that he's very very talented, and mm-hmm. it's very clear that he's 24 years old. Um, it, it, that might be the most clear one out of you can, out of you those can check three. the birth certificate. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a yeah, clear yeah. Thing. So, yeah. um, I am not fully ruling that out when it comes to money. What the Mavs are doing to trade for him is trading relatively equal money, they are turning bad contracts into a more talented player, still on a bad contract, but. There are easy paths. You know, this is not a full max guy. This is a, you know, the lowest level of max extension is is what DeAndre Ayton got. And look, it's not amazing money, but you got to remember that 30 million is becoming the new 20 million as the cap keeps rising. Yes, you do have to be very cautious about the way that the new CBA really punishes teams that go way, way, way into the cap. But this isn't a situation where the Mavs are, Mavs are even going to be close to the second apron if they trade for DeAndre in this season. Now, it does raise questions about, OK, what do you do with Josh Green, who's owed an extension on and on and on and on. But like this is a team that's still if they trade like can make room to use the mid-level exception, the full mid-level exception. Uh, And and that still puts them, you know, at at most, if they use the full mid-level, that's going to put them right up to, or it's going to, it would hard cap them at the first apron. Um, You know, they couldn't go past that. If they use the full mid-level extension, it doesn't mean that they have to be all the way up there. They still have, you know, even past that, I I believe it's 8 million between, I know, I know the first apron is 8 million up. And then I think the next one is, another eight or 10. So it's not putting them right there. And if you want to make a talent swing on that, I think that's good. I also do not think that 
Lively's development is going to be stunted if he has to play behind another center for a couple of years. And I think if the Mavericks trade for Aiton, it really is more of a two-year thing to see if this is a guy to build around. Or by then, he's going to be an expiring contract, a big contract. But you have to think that the Ma- if the Mavericks trade for him, they believe that they can increase his value and possibly move on from him at some point in the future. Um, you know, going into his the final year of his contract when he's expiring, that might be the chance to do it if if that's you know the the, the path that the team chooses. But just the idea that yes, his contract isn't good, but you're swapping out other bad contracts, and so it's it's kind of a net wash in some ways. Yes, his contract goes longer, but if you're trading for it, and this is this is really the question: if I'm the Mavericks and I'm really considering this trade, how realistic are the exit paths, and what are they? They can't know for sure, but right. if they see some exit paths to move off this money when the time is right, that is what would encourage me if I'm the team to be like, yeah, let's let's give it a shot. Um, also kind of built up in the I think Mark Cuban said this, that Omax seems like a more NBA ready prospect now. I think left unsaid in that is that I'm not sure Lively is going to have a rotation role, especially not from game one starting next season. I I don't think there's any stunted development that's going to happen in the first two years, because I'm not sure the team sees Derek Lively as a starting center at any point in his first two years in, in the, in the NBA. And so are they drafting? (laughs) So this is, this is the thing, right? I mean, you know, to your point, yes, it does consolidate the same amount of money. I get that. But the spillover effect is if you do that, it does put pressure on this team to really nail the margins a lot. And just because we saw him do it one day last week doesn't invalidate the last five years or lots of shows of this podcast were like, man, they really have not handled the margins very well. So is this the team that is a going to be the best environment to lock unlock something in him? Because I agree he needs a change of scenery and B, even if they unlock that, do you trust them to hit everything else correctly and precisely to walk this tightrope of having him? Because you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself for a guy who I just don't know how good he's actually going to be. That's really the other implication here. I mean, do you trust the team? Maybe not. Maybe maybe yes. I I don't know. Uh, How much have we discussed how they are talentless? (laughs) You know, that's a little harsh. But, you know, this is a team that does not have a lot of move, you know, uh, flexibility when it comes to building the roster. And so some of this just comes back to the idea that, hey, if you can go get a really talented player who you believe playing next to Luka Doncic, like almost every single player who plays next to Luka Doncic, at least, you know, non-ball dominant ones, gets better. Maybe that's a talent swing that you have to make, uh, not dissimilar to Kyrie Irving, you know? Oh, come on. Kyrie Irving won a finals. <laughs> Let's, Kyrie I'm Irving not, hit the shot what to I'm win saying a finals. Is, what I'm saying is the Mavericks front office may say that they have to take risks on... Um, beleaguered talent is that the right word to use there on on, on talent that is is undervalued so i'm just saying i see some comparisons um i'll give you 30 more seconds if you want to if you want to wrap up on eight and want the final word or we can just kind of rattle off some of these other rumors i think we've pretty much gotten there other than to say like yes your justification for it is exactly what i think is going to be the trap that it's a talent upgrade and they're thinking just get more talented but not thinking about the environment which they're getting more talented in and if that's the case we could see, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I, I talked about it, Iztok wrote about it, how they're habitually a step slow strategically. And this would feel like a, oh, talent grab, we need more talented pieces, just get them here, figure it out later. And then not realizing, oh, your hands are going to be tied a lot tighter now 
just to get it tile and upgrade that unlike Kyrie who is could be one of the best guys on the title team we don't know there's a lot of risk it's a lot of risk I think there's more narrow ways for it to work and a lot wider ways for it not or to have a spillover effect I, I get that and and I do agree that my biggest concern about any trade that they would make for Aiden is that DeAndre Aiden is not a modern NBA playoff big so right yeah that would be my funny. biggest concern yeah. as well yeah Let's move on. We just mentioned Kyrie Irving. Uh, I didn't even have him on the rundown because I don't really know what to say about that. I, I The Mavericks believe confidence. All of that is that he will be back. I feel the same way when it comes to trying to predict what he's going to do. He's apparently meeting with the Phoenix Suns. Whether that's anything other than a negotiation ploy, I don't know. But that feels likeliest to me just because I don't really know how else they would get him there. Certainly... I I will say right now, like the idea that a sign and trade for, you know, with Aiton coming back, that's just, it's almost impossible for the Suns to do that with the cap situation. But maybe, no. maybe there's some very precise, narrow way that they could get that done. I, I don't think there is. And so I don't think that's likely. I'm just going to keep moving on. I don't think we need to, to linger on Kyrie. No, I no, think no, we'll no. be a I Maverick. Was... Yeah, what do I you was... think about the Andre Drummond rumors, which uh, we're recording 3.31 p.m. Uh, on Thursday. And so about 30 minutes ago, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN reported that he is opting in to his uh, player option in Chicago. His player option is slightly, and I mean like, you know, 100,000, you know, like 100K more than what he would make as a veteran minimum, um, which... You know, so maybe there's still a path that the Mavericks trade for him, but he's opting in because, um, you know, because it, it does make him slightly more money. Now it's a marginal amount. I mean, 100k to you or me is a little bit different, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe there's some scenario slightly there. higher economic ceiling. Yeah. But that that stuff came out of nowhere. Um, I mean, it came from Mark Stein. I shouldn't say out of nowhere. You know, it came but, from. But we didn't see this know, on the public radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came from the yeah. most legitimate legitimate Dallas Mavericks reporter. To be very clear, so I, I don't want to underplay that. Um, but I feel like the opt in slightly reduces the the likelihood. I, I just it's hard to. Here, here's why I want to take this. Um, the other thing that I thought Stein said that was really interesting is that Drummond to Dallas was kind of dependent or hinged on a trade that they might make. And I guess that trade would be the Aiton trade. And I guess that means yeah. that Andre Drummond would be coming as the backup, which is more evidence, I think, to this idea, to the idea that that Derek Lively is not seen as a rotation player from game one. That, that they are going to give him time to develop and, and that, you know, he won't, ex, you know, immediately ex, be expected to be relied upon. Maxi Kleba, and, you know, especially in the regular season, he's a four for this team. Uh, so they do have minutes behind, you know, even an Aiton if they went out and got him that, that Drummond could fill. Um, it also indicates to me that, you know, Drummond or not, that, you know, I think that they're probably not guaranteed to bring back Dwight Powell. I think that's safe to say. But, I don't know. Yeah. It's it feels like a lot of centers being tossed around all of a sudden when we thought this team was really going to be focused on the wing. That's that's the that's the thing here. Yeah, I mean, my, it's funny that Andre Drummond's name is coming up because I yeah. was I was the one of the four of us who did not like the McGee signing for the jump. And I remember specifically being on Twitter because they signed the same night. And I remember being like, why are you paying JaVale McGee what you were paying him? Well, that's what Andre Drummond went for. And the implication that people were pushing back on was like Andre Drummond's worse than him. And 
even at the time when I thought JaVale was not going to be this much of a disaster, he probably was a little better than Andre Drummond. It's like, yeah, but I don't look at that different. And Andre Drummond's getting one year at the vet man and they're giving two and an option to JaVale. What, what the hell's going on here? Uh, right. Again, like I like the Drummond idea because look, if Andre Drummond's not going to be, he could play a role in the regular season. He can't do anything in the playoffs. Uh, but you know what? He is exactly the sort of non-real roadblock that, again, I'm, I get why you don't want to actually depend on a 19-year-old to play a lot of minutes as a big in the NBA. My issue is just why are you drafting him if you're supposedly – you're really trying to win now and you're bringing back Kyrie Irving and making these win-now moves. Why are you taking a 19-year-old whose best utility will be when you still have Kyrie Irving and Luka together because he can, you know, sooner or later if you develop him and throw him on the fire and hopefully he learns – clean up some of these messes. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't, it's, it's a weird situation. I don't entirely blame them for not playing him. If they're trying to win now, I just also don't get why they drafted him. If they're really trying to win now. They're kind of in this weird liminal space, but Andre Drummond is fine because Andre Drummond will not be a real impediment. When Derek Lively is ready to take Andre Drummond's minutes, it will be very easy to. So yeah. and in the regular season, Andre Drummond has value. Andre Drummond in the regular season will get you a ton of rebounds now, look, as much as we talk about their interior defense it being a disaster, and he won't help that, they also got murdered on the boards. And Andre Drummond, that is never a problem there. So, and again, this cheap- is why this is why I was slightly trying to see if we could spin a trade for Aiton as kind of a two-year rental. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply where it's like mm-hmm. we're going to give up contracts we're trying to get rid of anyway you know you know from the Mavericks perspective that's they're like they don't need these contracts let's get rid of them let's get a talented center we think we can rebuild their value but you know the long-term plan is still lively and this you know is a two-year stopgap to see maybe he's amazing and he's the best player in the NBA and and he's better than Luca and you were right all along Mike Pellucci maybe that is what happens in two years and he's the new building block in Dallas but likelier it's like okay we can get him for two years then we feel good about an exit plan as lively as finally coming in to be you know the center that we drafted him to be um but I don't know I don't know uh it seemed like a trade or it still seems a, more to me that a trade for a center in the MLE on the wing on some sort of wing player is, is the likeliest scenario here. I don't see a lot of um, bigs they can sign with the MLE, and I don't see a lot yeah. of wings that they can trade for um, from now in between, you know, from now till, you know, whenever free agency off the offseason kind of wraps up. And, you know, Bruce Brown, Grant Williams, which is looking less likely just because of implications of Boston and restrictive free agency and what, what they're going to do there. Um, you know, those are probably the two players that I would be willing to use the full MLE on, but there's ways yeah. you can split it up. Torian Prince is apparently probably going to be a free agent unless somebody trades for him very uh-huh. soon, but that's not likely to happen. Um, 
Jalen McDaniels is not a full MLE guy, but he's interesting. Uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., you know, like what what does he command? He's scored a lot. He scored like 20 points last year, which again, it's, you know, bad team inflation. But wave poppy. If you can get him from 8 million, you know, is that something you're interested in? And then you add, I don't know, uh, you know, you know, Tory Craig for 4 million, you know, and that's how you split uh, up the MLE or, or, sure. or Jeff Green <laughs> for 3 million. I don't know. I don't mind um, Jeff Green, actually. I, I, I wouldn't I, mind I think, other adults yeah. in that room. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if the Mavericks do use the full MLE, but also somehow navigate to also having the uh, biannual exception, I don't think that scenario is likely that they're going to have both of those unless they really move off some money somehow. Um, like move money into space. It's yeah. They're they're already having a couple. You know, they always need, already need to do a couple things to completely get that MLE ready to go. Uh, the easiest path would be Kyrie signing for less. But if he signs for the max, then they actually still have a you know a little bit of juggling to do. Um, so I think it's already tricky to get the full MLE pending what? Kyrie. I don't think it's likely to have the biannual exception on top of that. But that would be a great great yeah. little thing to throw at Jeff Green, who I yeah. think would be. You know, we talk about putting athleticism on this team. <laughs> yeah, you play for the Sonics, and he still would be like the third most athletic player on the Mavs. So it also, I mean, it, you know, there's the locker room aspects of this, but he played minutes for the NBA champion this year. He would play yes. kind of that four or five role. Finals minutes. Finals minutes. Yeah. Listen, man, Jeff Green can help. Also anyway, let's, Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, you know, getting another player whose last name is a color, you know. Never have enough of those. No, no, definitely not. I mean, Denver had what, Mike, three. Can we get Michael Red out of retirement? Ooh, that's like that's that. an OG Mavs free agent heartbreak right there. I don't. We we don't have time for this. I I did yeah, not. No. I have vague memories of this. Now that you say it, back back in the. Uh, yeah, they tried to they tried to sign him. He was restricted, and the deal got matched. That's right. Damn. Yeah. And then he and then he broke out. They were ahead of the curve on that guy. Was yeah. was your grad degree in uh, Mavs history? It, well, impressive. It, it, it is because when you two were talking about Pavel Podkolzin last week, I was like, oh, I remember Pavel fondly. And uh, you two, clearly, you youngins do not. But, dude, I Again, love... I did remember him, but it was specifically in the context well, not of that NBA well, you're butchering Live his last 05. name. Uh, All right. Let's, I, I let's close. Let's, okay. We, I, I love that for you. Let's Thank close you. this pod really quickly. Summer League lineup is out. I'm not going to read every name. I think the starters are probably going to be McKinley Wright, Jaden Hardy, AJ Lawson, Olivier Maxince. Prosper, I'm gonna have to work on the, the second part of that name. I don't think I quite nailed it. And then Derek Lively uh Jr. or Derek Lively the second. Uh-huh. That's probably your starting five in summer league. That's a pretty good lineup. That this is a team that's that better could, than they've had in a while. It it is, it really, really, really is. And I think that's a cool lineup. Uh the notable names off the bench are Mike Miles Jr., Jelly Walker, who Jelly. I watched because his team played UNT. North Texas in the NIT championship. Ah, that's right. He was making some shots. So my my one game scouting report is that uh yeah, he's nice. Um we'll see how nice. But (laughs) Chris Silva, you had a had a 10 day with the Mavericks. I'm 90% sure and maybe it was a COVID 10 day. So he's back with with the team. Maybe he'll be the backup big. Uh there's one other player that could maybe be the backup big. You have a Mike Miles agenda that I'm gonna let you get off real quick. Who do I? Who do I? Uh this is not just me, for the record. If you want a better source than me, uh, Mavs Draft, who is great. Richard, who was on the show a couple months back. Uh, Richard has receipts from being down for Mike Miles for months. 
But the deal with Mike Miles is this. I, I'm more excited for that guy than I am a Mavs 2A in years. Uh, I think that guy could be a backup point guard in the league at some point for a couple of reasons. One, dude knows how to play. If you watch TCU, it was not that good of a team, uh, but he got them in the tournament because he knows how to play. And what does that mean that really translates well? Because this is a six-foot point guard and those don't do well. Mike Miles gets to the rim. Mike Miles finished at the rim at 65% in college. If you are a small guard and you can get to the rim and you can finish at the rim and you know how to play, you have a chance as a backup point guard. And uh, for a two-way deal, I will take that. You know, he's also young for his class. That was something I've seen Richard hammer over and over again. This is a guy who, you know, very mature for his age. Uh, but if I'm looking for undrafted guys to make it, I need the, I need, you either got to really hope that the tools are there or, you know, it's the Dorian Finney-Smith route of they know how to play. And they can add skills bit by bit by bit by bit because they just understand basketball. And you got to have something about you that really stands out. In Dorian's case, it was defense, and he added enough of a shot to be viable. In Mike Miles' case, he has that first step, and he absorbs contact and gets buckets at the rim. To me, you know, I'm not saying this is some future star. I think of it in terms of, you know, and I say this only because uh, I covered him at USC, but Jordan McLaughlin in Minnesota was a guy who, small, but you watched him play in college, you're like, this dude just knows how to be a point guard. And he's going to find his way into the league somewhere. It's just going to happen. And sure enough, he wasn't drafted, took a couple of years. But now, you know, is Jordan McLaughlin like a backup point guard on a title team? Probably not. But is he a useful NBA piece that they got for literally nothing? Yeah. And I think Mike Miles could be that guy in a year or two. Uh, I think there's really something there. So that's that's my Mike Miles agenda. I think this guy is going to be on the roster at some point in the next couple of years and like really carve out a little niche for himself. I, I love that. I mean, the only thing I don't like about him is his name is not Jelly. But, but it's Mike. That's even better. It's Mike. There's too many Mikes in Dallas already. So <laughs> we'll, we'll make an exception for me. Mike Marshall, uh, we'll, we'll carve him into the Mike Club. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can get on board yeah. with that. All right. That's all I have. Uh, everything really gets going tomorrow. Uh, yep. We're going to have Austin Gurria on this podcast, but he couldn't make it because he has an actual job. But uh, look, if there's things to react to, I think me and Austin, we're going to react to it. Yep. We, we have to, weekend. you know, we have to like for us, like we got to, we got to get our takes off. We got takes if, if stuff goes down. So let's, uh, let's see how the next few days go and, and just keep an eye out for podcast. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Listeners. It's what you do best. Listen. Um, and we'll see you soon. Probably very soon. Very soon. Farewell. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. When you're with your good friend Tim, it's 77 minutes in heaven. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.